I don't know about you, but in this is an exciting time. Isn't this a great time that we're standing strong for Jesus and telling all 500,000 people in Volusia County that Jesus Christ has radically changed our life and Jesus can radically change your life. So First Baptist, let's be all in and we need everybody to be all in. Can I talk about the next couple of weeks of what we're going to do? Next Sunday morning, we're going to start a journey that we're going to start next Sunday morning and go all the way through the end of July. We are going to study, I believe, the five foundational things that God wants us to build the church upon. Next Sunday morning, we're going to be talking about, first and foremost, we are the love, the Lord our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. First and foremost for all of us, love Him with all that we've got. The next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about how are we to love our neighbor as ourselves? That we got to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And then as we transition into the month of May, the entire month of May, I'm going to be preaching about, and our whole focus as a church family is going to be on prayer. I believe that a church must be built on the foundation of praying together. So we're going to spend time praying together as a church family. One of the ways that we're going to do that, Sunday night, May the 5th, I mean, May the 6th, Sunday night, May the 6th, all of us as pastors are going to open up our homes, and we're inviting all of you to come to one of our homes, and we're going to spend that night, Sunday night, May the 6th, on our knees before God, praying out before God for God to do a great and a mighty work. So May the 6th, that Sunday night, we want you in one of our homes praying together as a church family. May, we're going to pray. The month of June, we're going to focus on how special God's Word is, that our foundation has got to be built on the Word of God. And let me tell you what we're going to do. In the month of June, you're going to have an opportunity to help sponsor a verse, a verse in the Bible to be translated into a language where they've never had the Bible in their language. We are going to take one book in the New Testament. We as a church family, we are going to pay so an entire book in the New Testament can be translated into a language that they've never had it in their national language ever in the history of the world. Isn't that going to be an incredible mission opportunity in the month of June? Uh, not only that in June, the last week of June, we're going to do something incredible. Right after we finish this church service, the last Sunday of June, we are going to begin reading the entire Bible through as a church family in one week. So what's going to happen the moment the church service ends, the last Sunday of June, you're going to sign up for a 15-minute time where we're going to have you a large print edition Bible, and we're going to begin right after, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And every 15 minutes, a different person is going to come and read the Scripture. When you get done with your 15 minutes or you sign up for 30 minutes, you're going to put your initials where you ended. And the next person is going to come up and they're going to read the Bible. So the last week of June, we are going to read through the entire Bible in one week. 
We're going to have it online the whole time. So you can, when you're at work, you can pull our website up, go to the Facebook page live, and you'll be able to see somebody reading the entire Bible through. So we're going to need your help. Why are we doing it? First Baptist, here's the reason why. This is the inerrant Word of God. This is God-breathed, and we want our community to know we stand upon it. So we're going to translate it in another language that no, somebody's never had it. We're going to read through the entire Bible the last week of June. Let's talk about July. July emphasis is going to be on the Spirit of God. What does it mean that we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us? And what does it mean that the Holy Spirit of God empowers us for the task that God has called us to do? So, July, we're all about the Spirit of God. You're going to have devotions about the Spirit of God. And you're going to, by God's grace, by the time we end July, you're going to understand that you have the Holy Spirit of God. God is living inside of you. Have you thought about that? When you got up this morning and your feet hit the floor, did you remember, I've got God living inside of me. I've got the power of the living God living inside of me. That's going to be the month of July, but you got to be ready for August. August is all-out blitz, you know? August, we're almost back at football season, right? We're back to watching the Tennessee Balls beat the Florida Gators, right? So, but August, August is going to be an all-out blitz. Look at me. You better be ready. In August, we're going to do a full blitz to reach our community for Jesus. I mean, it's going to be an all-out blitz. You better be ready. August. May, we're praying. And as we're going, we're praying in the month of May. First Sunday night, we're praying. I believe prayer changes things, don't you? It changes us and it touches the heart of God. June, the Word of God. It's living, it's active, it changes. July, the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us. August, all-out blitz to see a lot of people get saved. It, we've got a great couple of months ahead. But let me tell you where all of it comes through. All of prayer, word, spirit, all-out blitz must come from a heart of brokenness. As a matter of fact, anywhere you open up your Bible, anywhere you look, you will see it cries out and it screams out brokenness. As a matter of fact, when you study Jonah, remember Jonah ran from God? God brought Jonah to a place of brokenness. Think about Moses. God put Moses on the backside of the desert for all of those years. Brokenness. When you think about the Apostle Paul, Saul was going with the letters in his hand to bring persecution, and God instantly on that road to Damascus, God brought brokenness. God uses brokenness as a vehicle that we will be transformed to looking more like Christ. Please look at me and please understand this. God uses brokenness as a vehicle that we will become more like Christ. 
I want you to write down two things. So grab out a sheet of paper, grab some lipstick, mascara, pen, pencil, whatever you got to have. Here is the reason why God uses brokenness. If we don't understand why God uses brokenness, when God brings brokenness into our life, we're going to get bitter and we're going to get angry at God and we are going to, I mean, kind of give God a pushback. But when we understand one of the greatest tools that God uses throughout time and eternity, all throughout Scripture, and that God uses in our life, God uses the vehicle of brokenness to do many different things. But write down these two primary things. If you get these two thoughts, you've got the sermon today. You've got what God's put on my heart. Number one, God uses brokenness to lead us to repentance and salvation. God uses brokenness. God uses brokenness to lead us to a point of repentance and salvation. Second thing I want you to write down. Here's a second thought I want you to get. God uses brokenness that bring us to the point of the death of ourself. God uses brokenness to bring us to the death of ourself, and so we will experience the fullness of God. God uses brokenness to bring us to the death of ourself, so the fullness of God will live inside of us. Here's the definition of brokenness. Brokenness is the process by which God brings us to the end of ourselves, so that we will love, serve, and submit to God in all things. God is going to use brokenness in your life. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever gone through a season of total brokenness? God is going to use a season of brokenness. And as a matter of fact, I really enjoy being around people that have been through a season of brokenness because people that have been through a season of brokenness, they are people of encouragers and not critics. People that have gone through a season of brokenness, they serve God freely, not expecting anything in return. A person that has gone through brokenness, they give freely and abundantly. Brokenness is a key through our prayer, through the Word, and through the Spirit. We've got to get into the vehicle of brokenness in order to be moved to, in, to, be moved to repentance. Let me show it to you in your Scripture. Go with me, Daniel chapter 4, Old Testament, Daniel chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse number 28. Who we're going to use, we're going to use Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a leader of Babylon. Babylon was a great, strong nation. As a matter of fact, when Nebuchadnezzar uh, overtook the office from his father, Nebuchadnezzar took Babylon to an incredible level. He built it so strong and so mighty, and you're going to see Nebuchadnezzar was prideful and arrogant. Nebuchadnezzar was all about himself. So let me ask you, have you ever met a prideful, arrogant person? 
Have you ever met somebody that thought they absolutely knew it all? I don't know about you, but I really struggle with smart alecks, don't you? I struggle with those people that think they have arrived and they think that they have it all together. Well, that is Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon. He had three different palaces in Babylon. One of those palaces was so big that it was 350 yards by 200 yards, one palace. One of the wonders of the world during this time was his hanging gardens. As a matter of fact, that the world would want to come and see this incredible hanging gardens that Nebuchadnezzar built. As a matter of fact, Nebuchadnezzar built incredible city walls. It was a fortified city. The city walls were so thick that they could do chariot races on top of the city walls. If anybody could be really arrogant about what they built, it could be Nebuchadnezzar. But let me tell you what Scripture tells us about Babylon. Write this Scripture down in Revelations chapter 18. You know what it tells us in Revelation 18? It says, and Babylon has fallen, has fallen. And as a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 18, after Babylon has fallen, has fallen, as you get to the end of the tribulation time, the seven-year tribulation time, it says all of those that have pertained, all of those that had gone into the luxury of Babylon, it says they are going to weep over the fall of Babylon. So as Babylon, we're going to see in Daniel chapter 4, one day all the way in Revelation chapter 18 is going to be the complete and utter destruction of all the economic system in the world structure in Revelation chapter 18. But in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar. Proud, arrogant, boastful, but look at me. God is going to use brokenness to bring Nebuchadnezzar to a place of repentance. Here's what I want you to do. Some of you have children and grandchildren. Some of you have next-door neighbors. Some of you have friends that don't know Jesus. Start praying that God will bring brokenness in their life and they will become so broken that, that, broken that they will repent and be saved. Sometimes when our children become prodigals, sometimes when our friends walk away, sometimes when all those things, sometimes we start praying the wrong things. I firmly believe it tells us when we pray anything according to His will, it will be done. And one of the things that you need to start praying for your prodigal son, your prodigal daughter, that lost neighbor, that person is away from God, start praying that God will strip everything out of them. He will pull everything away from them so that they will come to a place of brokenness and that will lead to them to a place of repentance. Let me show you to you in this text of Scripture. You ready? Daniel chapter 4, verse number 28. And all of this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. That he had a dream, and in this dream of all of this that was going to take place. Now, in Daniel chapter 4, verse 28, this is the description of the dream that he had, and now it is all coming about. But there's something very important that you've got to understand in verse 28. And this all came about upon King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 29. 
at the end of 12 months. Mark that 12 months. Why do you think that this is important? At the end, please get this, at the end of 12 months, he had a dream. The dream was interpreted, and God gave him 12 months to repent and get right with God. But instead of repenting and getting right with God, Nebuchadnezzar kept on for 12 months in his pride and in his arrogance. And because he did not receive the warning of God, he did not receive the warning of what was going to happen. The next events were about to take place. But I want you to hear this. God is a gracious, God is a patient God. God will wait on us, and he gave him 12 months to get right. He didn't. Let me show you a scripture about it. Keep your finger here and go with me to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29, and I want you to look at verse number 1. At times in our life, God is going to take us to seasons of brokenness, and He is going to start taking things out, and He's going to rebuke us. If we refuse what God is doing in our life, what God wants to do in our life, God will keep ratcheting it up. Look what it says in Proverbs 29, verse 1. He who is often rebuked. Think about Nebuchadnezzar at this point. He was dealing with Daniel. At this point, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This text of Scripture we're gonna, that we're reading in Daniel, this is after he already watched God rescue Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego after Daniel's been speaking to him. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar, 12 months, all of these things that are speaking into him. But he does, Proverbs 29, verse 1. He was often rebuked and hardens his neck. He did not embrace the brokenness. He did not embrace what was around him. Look what it says what will happen. Will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Please look at me. In my quiet time this week, and utmost for his highest as I was doing it, we were reminded this week that the government shall be upon his shoulder. Can I tell you what? None of us are bigger than God. Did you get that? And only a fool says there is no God. And I want you to hear my heart on this. Do not push back when God is speaking into your life. Do not push back the brokenness that God brings in your life so you'll look more like Him. Instead, I want you to embrace the Word of God, and I want you to embrace the brokenness and the season that God has you in, so He will transform you to looking like Christ. Don't do this in Proverbs 29, verse 1. Don't push it back. Don't harden your heart. Here's the reason why. Turn back to Daniel chapter 4, and let's see what takes place in verse number 30. Can you picture Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man on this planet, underneath God? Here he is in his arrogance and his pride. He's walking in his royal palace. 
Look what he says in verse 30. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon? I mean, look at this city. I've got the walls. There's eight major gates in the city of Babylon. This is an incredible place. Let me tell you, historians that studied the city of Babylon 100 years after this time were still amazed. 250 years after this point, Alexander the Great said, let's make Babylon my central location. I mean, you cannot imagine the strength and the power of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar is over it. Look again what he says in verse 30. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that? Look at this next word. This is a dangerous word. What's the next word? I. That I have built. For a rural dwelling by, here's another dangerous word, my mighty power. And for the honor of my majesty. Mark those three words, I, my, my. You're going to see this is Nebuchadnezzar before brokenness. Verse number 34, when we read it, this is what he's saying after brokenness. He is about I, my, my, before brokenness, after brokenness, God brought him to a place of repentance. God brought him to a place that he lifted up his eyes, but it wasn't until God stripped everything away from him that he got right with God. One of my dearest friends, his name is Chris McDaniel. He was in the Confederate Railroad. Some of you guys that are country, uh, old country music listeners, uh, as he was in it all those years and became a drug addict and all of this, Chris McDaniel, and you'll meet him one day, God had to rip everything out of his life. And on a Sunday morning, he walked into the church service, sat about six or seven rows back, as broken with everything ripped out of him. And on that Sunday morning, Chris got right with God. And now God's using him in a mighty way. He embraced the brokenness, and God is using that brokenness. Whatever you do, don't push away the brokenness of God, but embrace it. Notice that brokenness that comes to him. This is incredible. Look at verse 31. Can you imagine he's arrogant? I've got all this. I can do this. I built all of this stuff. Look what happens as he's saying that. Verse 31. While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar. To you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men. And your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen. Here he is, the leader of it all. All this powerful. Now he's saying it the next moment. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to be eating the grass with the cattle. Notice the second thing. How long is this going to last? And seven 
times shall pass over you. Seven times. Do you know what that means in the Scripture? Seven years. Nebuchadnezzar, seven years is going to pass. And we're talking about that number seven that is so important. You can't escape the number seven in the Scripture. I think it's interesting that it's seven years that God is going to stick him out there and all this before he gets right with God. And then when we look at the book of Revelation, the tribulation, seven years before the collapse of Babylon and Revelation chapter 21, where God makes all things new. Let me tell you, God will go and use this vehicle of brokenness to rip everything out to bring us to a place of repentance. Sometimes we don't miss this. I want you to get this. Sometimes when we see somebody struggling and sometimes when we see God is ripping everything out of them, sometimes we want to go rescue them. Sometimes the way that we need to rescue them is we need to get on our faces before God and say, God, keep ripping everything out of them so they'll look to you. Sometimes the very thing that we need to allow to happen is we need to allow the hand of God to be heavy upon them. And sometimes we need to allow the Holy Spirit of working in them so God will rip everything out of them. Sometimes God's going to take them through that seven years of season of ripping out so they'll finally look up. Look at this text of Scripture again. This is incredible. Don't miss this. Seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Verse 33, that very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers. Can you imagine? Here is the great leader. Now his hair is all matted. It's all knotted up. It's all messed up from being the most powerful person in Babylon. Now he's eating and now his hair's all matted up. Look at the next part of this, ladies. Look at his fingernail. I mean, y'all work hard on your fingernails, don't you? I mean, when y'all break a fingernail, I mean, I mean, it's kind of earth-shattering. Your fingernail just broke. Look, look at the text. Look at, here he is. What is Nebuchadnezzar's fingernails like? And his nails were like bird's claws. Verse 34, here is the key. Verse 30. Arrogance. I, my, my, seven years. And I'm going to give you a warning, and please listen to this. When you're going through a season of brokenness and God is ripping things out of you, whatever you do, don't try to light your own fire and don't try to manipulate the situation for you. Let me show you that warning. Go to Isaiah chapter 50, and I want you to look at verse 10 and verse 11. I want you to turn there. Isaiah chapter 50, and look at verse 10 and verse 11. 
When we go through a season of brokenness, when we go through a season of difficulty, I'm going to give you a warning. Whatever you do, don't try to light your own fire and don't try to manipulate the situation. How many of you have ever tried to manipulate a situation? It doesn't work. I want you to see in Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 10, when we move through a season of darkness, even if we're fearing God, even if our heart is right, sometimes God's going to move us through those seasons. Verse 10 is going to tell us what to do. Verse 11 is going to tell us what not to do. Verse 11, who among you fears the Lord? Who Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Mark these next words. When your life seems darker than dark, when your life seems so broken, when you feel like Humpty Dumpty and you're scattered all over the place and nobody can put you back together. This is what you do at the end of verse 10. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Please look at me. When it's dark in the dark, it's more difficult than difficult, and you're going through a season of brokenness, don't try to manipulate it. Don't try to get it in your way. Instead, you've got to do the end of these two verses. uh, uh, Verse 10, let him trust the name of the Lord and rely upon the Lord. God can do more in 30 seconds than you can try to manipulate and figure out in the next 30 years. Don't try to manipulate it. Don't try to get all your hands in it and say, Lord, I'm going to trust in your name and I'm going to rely upon you. Look at verse 11. Here's the warning. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircles yourself with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and the sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. When you're going through a season of brokenness, don't try to get out there, I'm going to light my own fire. I'm going to figure all this out. Instead of that, use the brokenness to lead you to a point of repentance. Let let it lead you to a place that you rely and you look up to him only. Lead us to him. Let me show it to you. Go back to Daniel chapter 4 and look at verse 34. This is incredible. Don't lose me. Don't wander off. Stay right here in this text. This is beautiful. I want you to see the outcome of everything being stripped away from him. Verse 34, notice, it's, how many times are you going to say, I, my, my? Verse 34, and at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. 
Your prodigal son, your prodigal daughter, that person that's wondering why, you know what we want them to do? We want them to get to verse number 34 when they can say, I, in the midst of this season of brokenness, in the midst of all this, God, it has led me to a place that I have lifted my eyes to you. As a matter of fact, I believe that for the United States of America, I believe before we might see a great move and a great awakening, God's going to have to rip everything away from us so we'll finally look up. We're not to look to Wall Street. We're not to look to Washington, D.C. We are to look to the great I am only. And you know what I say, church? God, rip out of us whatever's got to be ripped out so we will look to you. That's not easy to say, is it? But are we going to look to us and rely on us? Are we going to be so broken and realize, hey, guys, life is like a vapor. It's here one moment and gone the next. This is not our home. We're just passing through. We are going to our eternal home one day. And God, do whatever you got to do in us. Rip out of us. Let us go through whatever so we will look like Jesus. That's why the scripture says, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow him. Look back in this verse 34. When it says, at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. Verse 30, what was he lifting his eyes up to? Himself. Now I'm broken. He's lifting his eyes to heaven. Look at this second thing. In verse 30, his understanding was all about him. Look in verse 34. And my understanding returned to me. And look what he did with now with his understanding. And I blessed the most high. Look at this before. Hey, blessings of me. Look at my garden. Look at my three palaces. Look at all these walls. Look at all I built. Now he's saying... Oh, God, I bless you. But it doesn't end there. Look what it says. I bless the Most High and praise and honor him who lives forever. Here is the king. Here is the leader. Here is Nebuchadnezzar. Now he is saying, I am not ashamed of who God is. I will lift up. I will bless. I will honor. And I will praise who lives forever. Everybody look at me. In order to get to verse 34, what did he have to go through? Uh Uh-oh, y'all can answer back. It's just family. In order to get verse 34, how did he go from verse 30 to verse 34? What did God take through? He ripped everything away. God uses brokenness so we will repent. God uses brokenness to bring us to the end of ourself. And we will experience the fullness of God. As a matter of fact, look at this cut. Before you got saved, you were empty. Before you got saved, you were about you. Before you got saved, let me tell you, you were the Nebuchadnezzar. 
You might say, oh, I was never Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, you were. As a matter of fact, all of us were born that way. The sin of Adam, the book of Romans tells us, came to all men. The seed that you and I were born in is the seed of sin. Because you know what? When God takes us through a season of brokenness, brokenness leads us to the fullness of God. Let me tell you, when you got saved, you went from being empty, and he filled you up. What did he fill you up with? He filled you up with the Holy Spirit of God. What did he do with you? He sealed you with the Holy Spirit of promise. And you know what he keeps doing? The scripture in John chapter 2 says, I have come that you might have life and have it what? And y'all look at me and say, but, but I must not live in a life of victory. I'm not living a life of fullness. I'm not living a life... You look at your life and say, man, my life is not living victory. My life is not lived in fullness and overcoming sin. My life is the blahs. You know what? God doesn't want you to live in defeat. Look at him. God doesn't want you to live in yourself. God wants you to live and pour and pour. Be being filled by the Spirit of God. God doesn't want you to live in defeat, but victory. Hey, last time I checked, his well never runs dry. Why are we not experiencing that? In order to experience the fullness of God, we got to live in brokenness. You know why some of you, you're not living victory? Why some of you, you're not living in joy? Because it's about you. And it's not about brokenness. When you become broken, you freely give. When you become broken, it's not about you. When you become broken, you're not ashamed of the gospel. When you become broken, Jesus just keeps pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. Why live? Why live on a broken down bicycle when you can live in the power of a Harley Davidson? <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, God had to take everything away. So he would finally look up. What is it that God's trying to take out of you that you're resisting so you'll look up? 
Here's the invitation. Some of you have been resisting what God's trying to move you through a season of brokenness. Instead, embrace the brokenness and let it move you to repentance. College students, some of you, God's gotten a season of brokenness and you can't overcome some things. Look at me, college guys. Don't wait until you're in your 30s to learn it. Learn it now. Senior adults. Abundant life. Lived in brokenness. Young family. What your children need to see is a mom or a dad that is broken and God just keeps pouring and pouring in you. So here's the invitation. Are you going to allow the brokenness of God to move you right now to a place of repentance? Are you going to allow this moment of brokenness to move you a place that you say, God, I want to experience all the fullness of you. Here's the warning. Don't light your own fire. But instead, look to Him in His name. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, You want us to live in the fullness of who you are. Lord, you're wanting us to live a life of repentance. And Lord, I pray over us that God, that you will do whatever you got to do in each one of us. That Jesus, that you will lead us to a place of repentance, the place of salvation, the place of our death of ourselves, to the place, Lord, of the fullness of you. Lord, bring us to the place that we will say, God, I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives. God, bring us to the place where we will die to ourself. Lord, bring us to a place with all honesty and sincerity, God, that we can say, God, please rip out of me. Do whatever you've got to so I'll look like you. Right now, no one moving in this room. This is a serious moment. Right now, it's between you and the Lord. Are you going to let your pride stay in the way? Or instead, Lord, I'm going to embrace this. And Lord, I, I want to embrace this until I can honestly lift up my head to you and bless you and praise you and honor you. Right now, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you would say, Pastor Eric, 
I'm willing for God to do whatever he's got to do in my life so I will look like him. No one looking. How many of you are willing this morning on this April the 16th day 15th day that you'll say Lord do whatever you got to God whatever season you got to take me through that I'll look like you right now that's God do whatever you got to no one looking just just put your hand up I don't know God do whatever you got to in my life that I'll look like you God, do whatever you got to in my life that I'll look like you. God, rip out of me everything needs to be ripped out and just leave you. See, you put those hands down. Many of you. Maybe this morning you've never trusted Jesus and you've never been saved. Today's the day of salvation. When we stand, come down to one of the pastors and say, Today I need Jesus. Some of you, you've been visiting... Man, God's at work in this place. Why don't you come and be a part of our team? Come and join the day. Or maybe the day you just need to come and pray. Maybe you need to start praying for that family member, that neighbor. God, take them to a place of brokenness that they will be led to repentance. God, I pray over this invitation. We pray over this time. Oh, God, we call out to you. God, do a work that only you can do. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Pastor Ken's leading us. Altar's open. Come and pray. Come. Come today. This is your day. Come. Join. Be a part of our church family. Come. Accept Christ today. Come. And kneel and say, God, don't waste this. I don't want to waste this brokenness. God, let me look more like you. As we sing, you come. Right now, the altar's open.